Was Queen Elizabeth II a Christian? How long had the Book of the Law been buried when it was found during the reign of Josiah? And how can we teach law and grace to our children? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of God, that we may know Christ and Him crucified for our sins. Tell your friends about our website, www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Welcome back. Thanks. Good to be back. (laughs) We finally got you in. Yeah. Had to come in a little bit at a different time, huh? Yeah, we're not. uh, This isn't Thursday evening Mm -mm. like we usually do. No. Because we had a date Thursday night. Yeah. So we had to... Had to record this a little earlier. Because it was Gabe's birthday. Yay! <laughs> yep, my birthday. Yep. I, th- I think you announce that every year. I, I do. think you did it last year, too. I do, because you don't announce it at no, all. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> He's not big on birthdays. <laughs> I just kicked this trash can. I told you I was going to do that. I know you were. I put it under my desk. I kicked the That's trash can. I put it off to the side, so nobody kicks it. But yeah. you always insist on kicking it, so... <laughs> You know, it always seems like uh, some big public figure dies on my birthday. Yeah, usually. <laughs> it's weird. It's kind of a morbid thing to talk about, but uh, uh, Truett Cathy died on my birthday. Mm. The founder of Chick-fil-A. Yeah. I was sad about that. Yeah. Yesterday, it was Queen Elizabeth II. No way, really? Yeah. Wow. You didn't know that? No. Man, it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no. I've been <laughs> offline. <laughs> yeah, no, the, uh, the wow. second longest reigning monarch... Wow. In world history. That's amazing. She reigned for 70 years. Uh-huh. Because the longest reigning monarch was 72 years. Right. That was King Louis the Ninth. Okay. And he reigned from 1643 to 1715. He was king of France. I was going to say, where was he king of? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, Elizabeth was the longest reigning monarch of Great Britain. Mm-hmm. But not the, not the longest reigning monarch in the world. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Still very sad, but of course, I very mean, she was sad. 96. It's yeah. not like it was uh, unexpected or right. sudden or anything like that. Right. It's just kind of neat that we have that in our... Um, in our lifetime. It, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It happened in our lifetime. We saw something like that. Now, this yeah. uh, I bring that up, too, not just because it happened yesterday, but uh, our first question actually has to do with that. Oh, really? So on the Friday edition of the broadcast, we take questions from the listeners, mm-hmm. and you can send those questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Chelsea emailed, okay, and she said, hey, surely you've heard that the queen passed away today. Of course, this was yesterday, mm-hmm. just after celebrating 70 years as queen. I've heard stories about the queen meeting Billy Graham and Martin Lloyd-Jones And as queen, she was considered the head of the Anglican Church. Do you believe the queen was a Christian? Mm. Um, I would say I don't know. Yeah. I I really don't know the answer to that. I just, I I would say if she was not a biblically sound. Oh, certainly not. Yeah, not as the head of the Anglican Church. Right. (laughs) That's where my mind went. (laughs) Now, she said all kinds yeah. of things before that sound <clears throat> fairly Christian. Mm-hmm. You uh, surely you're. But that's also tradition, too. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a, a lot of tradition tied into being the 
monarch of Great Britain Mm -hmm. uh, that's very Christian in language. Right. She uh, regularly did a Christmas address Mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve. The one that she last gave, so this would have been Christmas of 2021, she said, Jesus, a man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith, his birth marked a new beginning. As the carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And there's many other uh, statements she's made about Christ, including this one from about, this was about 20 years ago. I know just how much I rely on my own faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. Like others of you who draw inspiration from your own faith, I draw strength from the message of hope in the Christian gospel. Hmm. Well, that's promising. However, this would be the biggest stain on her legacy. Mm-hmm. She gave royal assent to the 1967 Abortion Act and the 2016 Same-Sex Marriage Act. Now, some who are more acquainted with the monarchy in Great Britain Mm -hmm. and would say, well, she couldn't really oppose those things. You don't really understand what royal assent means. Right. But I I beg to differ there. She gave no leadership whatsoever to oppose abortion. Right. She could still take a stand. Right. And she didn't do that. Yeah. And so because of things like, I mean, she was very uncontroversial, all things considered. It's Mm -hmm. why she was so beloved. Right. Uh, A lot of times, especially on moral issues, she played those things really close to the chest is the the metaphor that we like to use. She played her her cards close to the chest. Mm -hmm. So we didn't know exactly where she stood on some of these moral issues. We know a lot of people like that in America, too. <laughs> and they're not usually making the greatest choices now. Yeah. So. I, in leadership positions, when it comes to political positions, I mean, there, there's more of a, a line in the sand there. Yeah. I mean, if you are if you That's claim true. if you claim to be a Republican, but you're pro abortion, you're probably not going to have much of, a, <laughs> of thinking, a constituency. I was thinking less political, more along the lines of um, involved in the church, like church leadership. Yes. Well, just yesterday, well, it may not have been yesterday. It was earlier this week anyway. Uh, J.D. Greer, the mm-hmm. former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. just came out and said, you know, it wasn't really the best thing for me to say that the Bible whispers about sexual sin. Yeah. <laughs> so You he, think? So, so he, I, I was about to, and I <laughs> bit my tongue. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, this indicates, though, okay, but hold he's, on. he's he, just blowing with the wind. Was he was he retracting his statement? He's blowing with the wind. Oh, OK, that's what it is. Uh, like. It's more popular for him now yeah. to kind of pull back on that. Mm. And he's changed his views on pronoun hospitality. So previously, a few years ago, he had said, hey, if we want to be able to have an audience right. with unbelievers we have to be willing to use the pronouns that they prefer and now he's saying no that's not a good idea because you're lying to him and i mean he's just blowing with the political winds yeah that's really that's really what he's doing the climate was better for him to say that a few years ago Mm -hmm. and now with the direction that things are going especially seeing how uh quickly things are ramping up with uh uh, children being subjected to sex change operations Mm. Boys being changed into girls, girls being changed into boys, as if they could be. Yeah, right. But mutilating. Yeah, mutilating them. Right, exactly. 
Uh, with these things that are becoming more and more prominent in the culture, religious leaders such as J.D. Greer looking at that going, ooh, boy, this is it's kind of bad that I've taken a neutral stance yeah. on this. Uh, yeah, be a man. Yeah, Be really. a godly leader and oppose evil for crying out loud. Yeah. These things are just wicked. Definitely. And you've got uh, all these religious leaders that are blowing with the wind. So, yeah, and and uh, on the subject of religious leaders, Queen Elizabeth II was one. She yeah. was the head of the Anglican Church. I know. That's why I was thinking that line, because I was thinking she's female and she's a leader. So I was thinking of the leader. A the denomination. Women. I mean, yeah. there we go. <laughs> um, so I was thinking of other female leaders in denominations. I wasn't going to drop a name. <laughs> I'm I can trying only, to avoid I can only assume. name dropping. <laughs> I won't push you anymore on that, though. That's a whole nother can of worms. But I'm just saying, they were they, the, the women, if you think about whoever pops into your mind, you can almost guarantee that they are not ones to stand up and say oh, this is wrong not. and this is right and so on and so forth. Because if they did that... Then they wouldn't be leaders, right? If the if they the, would step down. If the men were being men of God mm-hmm. and standing on God's word and opposing evil and promoting the gospel, then we wouldn't have these wicked women mm-hmm. that rise up into these positions exactly. as religious leaders and be as waffling as they are. And the women are usually liberal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they push their agenda underneath them, but you can't see that because all you see is their pretty smiles. Yes, <laughs> the nice blonde hair. Even though they're over 60. Uh, <laughs> hey, I might. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not over 60. No, 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 no. I mean, when I get there, my mom has great hair. Yeah, she does. You, your mom does have good hair. Anyway. <laughs> I'm over 40, uh, they, having just celebrated a birthday now. And uh, Becky's not. She's not made it to 40 yet. Nope, not yet. So... Next year. I still have a 30-something. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Speaking of which, have you been listening to my Song of Songs series? No, I can't with the kids around. <laughs> right now, it's pretty tame. It oh, okay. Gets, yeah. Okay. Then it, I'll start listening. It'll <laughs> increase a little bit more as we continue through the book. Yeah, so I've Song been of, a little gun-shy on that. I gotcha. <laughs> So you're afraid I'm going to say something embarrassing in <laughs> yes. there? Yeah, right. And then have to explain to children. <laughs> <laughs> Song of Songs is what I'm teaching right now in the Old Testament study. That's on Thursday mm-hmm. and still continuing on with Galatians on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Let's uh, let's get to our next question here. This is from Nell in South Carolina. Really enjoy your broadcast, especially the Friday Q&A. I have a question. In 2 Kings 22, 8... When the book of the law was found in the Lord's temple by Hilkiah, what did the book of the law consist of and how long had the scriptures been buried? Hmm. We're studying second Kings in Sunday school and I value your knowledge of the scriptures. Good question. Now, Hilkiah was the high priest at the time. He was not the king. Josiah was the king. Oh, right. And he was the son of Ammon. 
who reigned for two years, and it said in 1 Kings 21.19, Ammon was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for two years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. Hmm. So you go back earlier in chapter 21, and you read about Manasseh reigning in Judah. In chapter 21, verse 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. So you've got Manasseh reigning for 55 years. You have his successor, Ammon, reigning for two years. And then you have Josiah, who's eight years old Hmm. at the time that he begins to reign. Wow. And so how long would the book of the law have been hidden? Now, the the book of the law was not found at the time that Josiah was eight. As a matter of fact, it was in the 18th year of King Josiah's reign. So he was about 26 Mm -hmm. at that time. So in the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, the secretary to the house of the Lord, saying, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money that has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the threshold have collected from the people. So here, Josiah is about 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So we're we're talking here, the amount of time that the book of the law has been missing has been at least over 60 years. Yeah. Uh, possibly 70 years. So the length of the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how long the book of the law has been missing. At wow. least at least that long. Hmm. Uh, that, so it's been that long since the people of God have heard God's decrees mm-hmm. and followed them. Yeah. And Hilkiah, when he's there in the temple to count the money, that's where he finds the book of the law. So let's continue mm-hmm. on with the uh, with the narrative here. So in verse five, let it be given into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord, talking about the money that's being counted, and let them give it to the workmen who are at the house of the Lord repairing the house. That is to the carpenters and to the builders and to the masons and let them use it for buying timber and quarried stone to repair the house. But no accounting shall be asked from them for the money that is delivered into their hand, for they deal honestly. Verse eight. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hands of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Hmm. Now, this is verse 11. First Kings 22, 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes and this is this is a young man who's 26 years old. He's convicted over what he hears in the book of the law. This, this is a king who is reigning over God's people. He tears his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Asiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. 
So what all was in that book that they were not listening to? Let me come back to uh, Nell's question here. What did the book of the law consist of and how long had the scriptures been buried? So we've talked about how long they were missing. Mm -hmm. Could have been as long as two generations or just shy of that. Right. What was in the law? Well, whenever we read in First and Second Kings or First and Second Chronicles these references to the law, mm-hmm. it's most likely just referring to the book of Deuteronomy. Oh, okay. So Deuteronomy, <clears throat> the name of that book means second law. Mm-hmm. It's the second giving of the law. So it's things that we read in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers that are now summarized in this one book that is the second giving of the law Moses is giving to Israel before they go in and occupy the promised land. Ah. So they're hearing the law given to them again. Mm-hmm. This is the people you are to be. God is giving this land to you. He's taking it out of the hands of the Canaanites. He's giving it to you. And here's how you are to live in this land that the Lord your God is giving you. Mm-hmm. And this is the second giving of the law. So the other uh, books of the law would have been their own individual scrolls. So this one, as it refers to to Hilkiah finding a book, and this is the book of the law, mm-hmm. then it's most likely just referring to Deuteronomy. Oh, I gotcha. Now, when I, I did a what video on abortion, it was actually the very first what video on abortion that I did. Mm-hmm. And in that video, I talk about how one of the things that Hilkiah or, or one of the things Josiah would have heard when he heard the book of the law read were things about you shall not burn your son or daughter as a sacrifice to Moloch. Mm-hmm. And if there is son that even if there is someone that even knows of a son or a daughter that's been burned to Moloch and doesn't say anything about it, they'll be exiled. So those who burn their children will be put to death. Mm. Those who don't do uh, who know about it but don't do anything about it will be cut off from their people. Now that's more specific in Leviticus than it is in Deuteronomy. The citation that I made in that video was Leviticus. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that's incorrect, what I said there in the video, but specifically what Josiah would have heard read aloud to him would have been the book of Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. And you got to think, he's never heard this before. Right. That's the astonishing thing. Right. This man who's a king of Judah Mm -hmm. has never heard the book of the law before. Mm -hmm. And when he hears it read aloud, he is convicted. Because he realizes this is the supreme high law. This is given to us by God. He surely believes in God. Mm -hmm. I mean, he sent money to the temple of God. True. So that the workmen there can make the repairs. Right. So he knows there is a God, but maybe he doesn't know that God is speaking something to his people that they're expected to follow. Hmm. Until Hilkiah finds this book. And now comes and reads it in the presence of Josiah, and it convicts him of heart. And it would have been astonishing to see, quite yeah. frankly. And and you would you would hope and pray that our world leaders today would go through the same kind of reformation. That would be amazing. <laughs> that someone might come and present to them the law. Yeah. So that through the law they recognize I'm a sinner, and yeah. I'm in need of a savior. Yeah. And then through that conviction that they experience. As a result of realizing that they've violated God's law, then they are open to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. Well, there's good news. There's forgiveness for your sins in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us and rose again from the dead so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. I would hope that kind of thing could be spoken to Joe Biden 
as as out of his mind as he is, mm-hmm. there's still some sense of him there that could hear that and be convicted yeah. of heart that that the Lord would grant him repentance and he would turn from the wickedness that he has been doing for as long as he's been a politician. Yeah. And would actually lead a nation in revival or or Kamala Harris would be convicted in that or, yes. you know, whoever it might be, even some of our religious leaders yes. <laughs> out there, the, those influential persons in religious positions that would be convicted because they heard the law and realized I've not kept the law and I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what it is that Josiah realizes. He knows that he's sinned. He's, he knows that the people have sinned. He's not been leading the people according to God's law. Mm-hmm. The people have not been following God's law. So there's massive reformation that happens in Judah at that time, unlike any other time of revival that had ever taken place. There were the high places where sons and daughters were being burned to false gods. Mm-hmm. Josiah had all those torn down. He had those wicked priests put to death. Yeah. Uh, and, and this was... Uh, a massive move of God that was happening in Judah under the reign of Josiah. For that reason, Josiah becomes an ancestor in the line of Christ. So from a line of Josiah would come the Savior. Praise the Lord. And God would bless Josiah with that. However, as soon as Josiah died, mm-hmm. Israel went right back to doing what they were doing before. Yeah. God had said to Josiah that the wickedness that was happening in Israel was still too great, mm-hmm. and it was not going to stop his hand from giving this people over into judgment. And and the attitude of their hearts was demonstrated in the fact that as soon as Josiah died, they went right back to the sins that were in their hearts to do anyway. Yeah. And so God ultimately gave them into the hands of their enemies. But you still have this great period of time where a king hears the law of God and is convicted over it and repents and leads his nation in revival. Yeah. And And look at that, a result of just one king having that change of heart. Yeah. How many it affected. Exactly. Right. How many people follow that? Yeah. When one person with that kind of position and that kind of leadership can lead a people, even as wicked as Judah was at that time, mm-hmm. can lead a people in revival and, and and an immediate turning to the law. Yes. Immediately turning to follow the law. Yes. Like he doesn't have to persuade the people, hey, we need to put these wicked priests to death. Mm-hmm. And then the people are going, I don't know, that just doesn't sound very loving to me. Yeah. You know, they follow his lead and they right. do justice in their land mm-hmm. according to what God says is just. Mm-hmm. That kind of revival can happen immediately, but it is it is a move of God that would make something like that happen. Definitely. Now, our following the law doesn't make us righteous, mm-hmm. surely. Right. Uh, because as we've been talking about, as we've been going through the book of Galatians, it's not by works of the law right. that you are declared justified. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless... There is a law that we must follow. Yeah. As said in Romans 3, do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And so now as followers of Jesus Christ and desiring to please our God, how do we know what we do, what we are to do that is pleasing unto God? We follow his law. By the law. That's right. (laughs) His commands. Yes. Jesus said to his own disciples in John 14, 15, you will show me that you love me when you obey my commandments Mm -hmm. and how wonderful God's law is because of a verse in Romans six that we tend to take out of context. Mm -hmm. We think of the law as being a bad thing. Right. Romans six. We're no longer under the law, but under grace. Oh, so we don't have to follow the law anymore. I mean, there was a law in the Garden of Eden. 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. When everything was good. Yes, when everything was great. And they God said it was good. That's right. I mean, if he says it's good, it's good. So And they get to experience the joy of obeying God. Yes. By following the command mm-hmm. that he has given. His his commands are not burdensome. Right. That's in the Bible too, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and the apostle Paul saying in Romans 7 and in 1 Timothy 1 that the law is good mm-hmm. if one handles it lawfully. If we're using it in the right way, yes, the law doesn't make righteous. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we're declared righteous. But then as a demonstration of that righteousness, how do we show that we have the righteousness of God Mm -hmm. when we obey his commands? Now, this has gone quite a bit further than what Nell was asking here. (laughs) Of course. But it does lead into our next question. Okay. So, Nell, I hope that was uh, that, that answered everything that you needed to you or you were asking there. So how long had the scriptures been buried? We talked about that. Could have been about 70 years. Yeah. And and what did the book of the law consist of? It would have been the book of Deuteronomy. There you go. So now coming to Sam's question, Sam uh, writes in and says, I'm wondering if you could help me to know how to balance law and grace for children, Hmm. as well as trying not to sound moralistic. I find when kids are young, It's obviously a lot to do this and don't do that. So they will learn how to behave morally. And sometimes they can think as long as they behave well, they're good. Mm. But then enters law and grace. They see they can't be good all the time on their own and then becomes negative because they can't meet the standard. Mm -hmm. So she's talking about children getting discouraged because they can't be good enough. Mm -hmm. She goes on, enter the gospel. But even when that's explained and they're told how we're sinners, and that's why we need Jesus, they can get stuck in that negative place still, especially when it's a child that tends toward perfectionism Mm. and pleasing people. Mm -hmm. I think we have one of those. Yes, at least. (laughs) At least one. How can you help them through this and understand law and grace better? The child claims to be a follower of Jesus, but is still extra sensitive and frustrated when they mess up. Hey, join the club. Yeah, no <laughs> joke. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, tell me when you get to 42 and yeah. if you got that figured out. So she goes on. It's a good thing they feel frustrated over sin, but you don't want them to be so burdened by the law that they think, why bother? Mm. But you also don't want them applying grace to everything and thinking that they can do whatever they want. Mm. What can help them understand the balance and a good way to articulate it to an age range like 7 to 10? Hmm. Seven to ten is hard anyway, because that's when, like, I feel like it's the angry stage. They're they're <laughs> just angry about every. Now I I know from, don't there's personalities, don't, different there personalities, are personalities, yeah. and I realize that the hormones kick in much later. But for some reason, at this stage, they just go through I, an uncontrollable anger mode, like they're they're overwhelmed by life at this point and it's like you don't even know life yet right but i think they're grasping like it's much more than just me at this age and so it it becomes overwhelming and they they realize how much how little control they have over everything anyway um wow we don't have free will yeah (laughs) or do i can't do what i want yeah that's right uh, so a desire to want to do the right thing, but they yeah. don't get the right thing, and then they get frustrated. Right. Uh, you know, we have one child in particular who's very, very sensitive mm-hmm. about getting things wrong mm-hmm. and displeasing mommy and daddy mm-hmm. on top of that. And so for her, 
there's there's a little more love that we have to give. Right. Like we have to be more consoling than we have been with our other children to have mm-hmm. to say, like, I don't hate you. Right. I don't know that I've ever said that. <laughs> I don't think I've had to take it that far. No, I've always said that I'm not angry with you. And, you know, like. Well, I probably I'm was. Disappointed. That's, see, my problem is I probably did get angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what I recommend, this is the stage where you, okay, so when they're littler, um, you just tell them. You tell them as it is, and that's just it. There's not much conversation. Sure, that makes sense. Whenever they're this stage, they're starting to grasp a little bit more, and they want to know why. Yeah. And so it is a good thing to just over-explain now, not till you're blue in the face, mind you, not till they're glossy eyed, but just explain over and over and over again each time yeah. that this is what's going on. This is why it was wrong. This is what the law says. And this is where we p- apply grace yeah. because yeah. this is, I mean, we'll forgive you. Right. Just know that next time it's going to be a little bit bigger consequence or whatever, you know, and then the next time it happens, you just go through the same process. So you just get in a, I don't know if it's routine necessarily, but uh, um, every, every situation is different. Yes. So you'll handle it. Every sin. Yeah. There's, there's some that are going to be more severe than others. Right. Uh, and I would say also pray with your child. Definitely. And not, not praying with them like you're leading them. Don't do a repeat after me sort of a thing. Right. Because you want them to express their heart to God. You want to teach them how to do that. Mm -hmm. But praying with your child, especially when they've messed up and they think, I can't ever get this right, Mm -hmm. it communicates to them, I can still come to God. Mm -hmm. I don't have to make myself right in order to come to God and pray because it is God who makes me right. Right. So following the instruction we have in 1 John 1, 9, if we ask forgiveness for our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So teaching your child to ask forgiveness for their sins uh, and know that that God is not shunning them, expecting them to make themselves right before they can come and talk to God again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I recommend because um, I forget about this a lot. Uh, we just kind of I, I kind of handle it in the moment sometimes. Okay, a lot of the time. But, um, so I recommend writing it down, um, just the process. For them or for you? Either. Both. Okay. Just writing it on a little piece of paper and putting it on a wall where you would go have the talk. Either it's in their room or maybe you just need to grab it and carry it with you to wherever you need to go or something like that. But just... Um, something to remind them. And you. Yeah. To go through that process of... This is always the case. I feel convicted. Now, what do I do? Right. Right. Now, our seven-year-old right now, our seven-year-old daughter, she asks a lot of questions. Lots Probably questions. asks more questions than any of our kids have. Agreed. Up to this point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I've even just assumed, even if she doesn't ask, she's still thinking it. Mm-hmm. And so I give her more explanation than I've typically given the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. So sitting down with her and explaining those things. And I, I think she wants that kind of interaction, too. We've had some kids that are a little more loners. Yeah. Like, you don't really have to show me that much attention. Yeah. <laughs> but there are, are others. Are done yet? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But then there are others that want more attention, and mm-hmm. she's wanted. So, so personalities. Definitely. And there are some that are going to get it easier than others. 
Yes. Uh, and some you just have to keep repeating over and over and over the exact same thing. Right. And that's okay, too. And don't get discouraged when you feel like you're having to punish one child more often than you're having to punish another child. No, everybody's different. Everybody, every child is different. Some, and learns differently. Exactly. I, I am a picture of consistent discipline. <laughs> I was consistently disciplined by my parents, and I turned out okay, I yep. think. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> I, I have siblings that were not consistently disciplined. Yeah. That, you know, no knock on my mom and dad, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was different. I was the oldest. Right. So I think it, that... It's easier with the oldest, Right, I think. and then you just kind of fall out of that habit as you get older. That's really, that's been something that's taught me as a parent, mm-hmm. that with my oldest, I've been consistent with discipline, but I need to continue that through the rest of my children. Well, I mean, it also gives the false um, comfort, I guess, um, that your oldest has listened to you and is straightening up, and so the rest of them will straighten up, too. Yeah. And um, it just... It that's not how it works. There's also that feeling as a pastor. It's just like, you know, hey, we go to church all the time. Right. So my kids just get it. Right. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Right. They don't. <laughs> I need yeah. to be just as diligent about teaching my children as anybody does. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's wonderful. It's a great benefit that I get to work in ministry mm-hmm. and they get to be as plugged in with the church as they are. But it's still, it, it, there does need to be a consistent teaching with our children. Definitely. Uh, all the way, as long as we have them. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know yes. if your child is going to live with you until they're 16, 17, 18, 21, whatever it is. But, all their life, even. <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that. Well, I mean, some, some kids do. Sure, but with, let's, with, let's not. <laughs> and that with disabilities. Okay, okay, check. All right. That makes a little more sense. <laughs> Not like that. I already got plans for certain bedrooms when we get there. <laughs> You're going to kick everybody out? That's right. You're done. Go. I need this room. I already got plans for it. Just kidding. I love my kids. Yes. Speaking of which, let's go home. Yes. <laughs> So that's the end of the program today. I I hope that helps you out, Sam. And thank you to everybody who submitted questions. You can send a question to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Let's finish with prayer. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. And I thank you what we have considered here today. I pray uh, for those who are mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth II that the gospel of Jesus Christ comes to them, that they would know the good news of a Savior who is God in human flesh, who came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the dead so that whoever believes in him will not perish under the judgment and wrath of God, but we will have everlasting life. May the gospel be proclaimed even in moments such as these. I thank you for Nell's question, and I pray that she continues to grow in a knowledge of the truth, and for Sam, that she comes to understand more uh, uh, how to lead her children in an understanding of law and grace. These are questions that we're going to be asking until the day we die and go be with the Lord. We thank you for the grace that you have shown to us, and with the grace of God poured into our hearts, may we show it to one another. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.